Welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Bridget Warren, founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood and Mamahood Teas. And I'm Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways and creator of the PCOS Journal. And guys, we are not doctors. We are just two women with PCOS who love reading about it, talking about it, writing about it, basically just oversharing about it. (laughs) So we recommend you find a health practitioner you love to support you on your journey. In the meantime, this podcast is all about how we have gone from hormonal messes to motherhood, the simple changes we've made to improve our PCOS and the ups and the downs of living with this complex condition. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the PCOS Girls. I am Bridget (laughs) and I'm here with the lovely Mel. And today we are doing this like epic ep on everything like we wish people knew about PCOS, like thing, random things about PCOS that we just wish more people knew about that we personally didn't really know about until we sort of did our own research and like mm-hmm. deep dived into it. Anyway, so that is what we're going to be talking about today. Is that right, Mel? Am I on the right track here? Is that, uh, is that the absolutely. gist of this episode? Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's PCOS Awareness Month, yes. at least when we're recording this. Recording I think this. it still will be when it comes out. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so I guess bad. we wanted to do something in that vein. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And I think, yeah, like PCOS Awareness Month is, um, it's becoming more and more people are talking about it more and more. Like, you know, Mm. a few years ago, I'd never even heard of PCOS Awareness Month. And now it's a lot of people are posting about it or talking about it or even people who, you know, don't have PCOS accounts like we do, but they're posting it on their personal pages. And I think that this is a really cool time to sort of debunk some of those myths or, you know, really bring um, some light towards topics or things that people might not know about PCOS because I do think even when you're in the zone, you kind of have a basic understanding of what PCOS, but there's so many like random things that just come to light only once you face them yourself. <laughs> that's what that's so, what I so found true. anyway. I think that's so true. And I something I love about PCOS Awareness Month, at least for me, is I always think of it in terms of like creating awareness for the women who have PCOS about things they might not realise. Mm. But also the main thing for me is like, finding those women or getting this information in into the ears of the women who have PCOS and don't know it. Yes. And it's tricky because then they yes. don't know. And so it's trying to find a way to spread that knowledge so Absolutely. that they catch wind of this this condition that they actually go, oh, that sounds like me. No, so, yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> and that, that's something I'm so passionate about. Obviously, my background is public health and health promotion, and that mm. is really where you can make a big difference is getting people at that grassroots level Mm. and with education and awareness before it's sort of too late and people really go down this slippery slope because they don't they've never heard of something and they've you know don't know what they're doing and they don't know the right you know course of action to take but if you can build awareness for something when you start to see those signs and symptoms you can make so much more of a difference and essentially change your life because as we know PCOS takes a long time and is often really poorly diagnosed and so like mm-hmm. if we can catch people in those early stages it can yeah. literally change their life like genuinely Absolutely. so keep talking about it talk to your friends about it and how often like this is going off track a bit but how often have you started talking about PCOS to someone and explaining what it is and then they've mm-hmm. gone oh like mm-hmm. I've I had that or yeah 
Absolutely. I'm pretty sure my sister has that or like, you know, like something yes. like that. And you go, yeah, like that's how we're going to spread awareness. And that's actually how I came across it because one of my mm. sisters, uh, one of my sisters, one of my um, best friend's sister was going through really similar things that I was after coming off the pill. And mm. she was diagnosed with PCOS by a Chinese medicine practitioner. Oh. And my friend said to me, oh, my sister's got like doing, she didn't know anything about it, but she goes, oh, my sister's just like started seeing this person and here's her website or whatever. And I read the website and I was like, I sound like this, this, this is what I've got, wow. you know, like it was quite yeah. weird. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of PCOS. So there you go. Like it really yeah. does make a difference to like spread it and talk about it. So true. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who after hearing about me and my diagnosis got their own diagnosis as well. Mm. So, yep, it's a good month for talking about it. I know. <laughs> and by the time sure. this comes out, we'll probably won't even be PCOS awareness. <laughs> so bad at actually that... putting it and editing it and getting it out, but we will try. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. So, gosh. how's your week been? Pretty good. I mean, I'm feeling so much better just in my body and my pregnancy and my Great. mental space and just everything. Like I feel mm. good. My heartburn is pretty bad. So I please <laughs> excuse me if throughout this episode, it sounds like I'm burping or like gasping for air or any of those weird things. It's just me over here, just, you know, doing my pregnancy thing. Um, but I am officially in the third trimester, which is pretty wild. <laughs> it has flown by. Flown. It has flown oh. by. I'm like, yeah, it's just so wild. Like, I can't believe it. I had another midwife appointment yesterday, uh, not yesterday, on Thursday, so a couple of days ago at my home because obviously all my appointments are at home um, mm-hmm. due to me having a home birth, which is mm-hmm. very cool. And I, yeah, I just, I'm like, I'm just loving it. Like, I just mm-hmm. love the whole ease of it, the relationship I'm building with my midwife, mm-hmm. that she's so on board with everything that I, that I am. But it's quite funny because with Flynn's pregnancy, like every, and I had a great midwife with Flynn's pregnancy as well, but it was through like a birthing center. Mm-hmm. but I always had questions. Like I had so many questions and I felt mm-hmm. like, you know, there was just never ending things I could ask. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like every time my beautiful midwife comes over and like we sit and have a cup of tea and then she's like, so what do you want to ask me? I'm like, um, I don't know. I don't like, I'm like, what should I be asking you at this point? I've like literally just like not had time to think about anything yeah. or even, I don't know. Like I just, I'm a lot more blase this time mm-hmm. around in many ways and a lot more stressed in other ways. So it's quite, yeah. it's quite weird. It's a really different Thing, but we end up talking she stays for like two hours which I find amazing quite wild that we managed to sit there and then she does all my like tummy checks and she listens to the baby and mm. yeah it's really cool but it's a it's like it's a full-on like catch-up like we literally like have a catch-up like I feel like Isn't it's a social so nice? thing which is nice in lockdown as well because yeah I'm not having people over to my house or doing any of that so having someone come and have a coffee well not the coffee a tea and we just sit there and <laughs> like have a chat it's quite mm. nice I'm getting an extra thing out. I'm getting like a social aspect as well yeah <laughs> that's really so sad. true <laughs> and just so special to build a relationship like that with the person who's going to be there yeah um, for the birth yeah. of your baby it's I know really nice. I know it's really cool anyway so that's kind of where I'm at with all of that I can't even think of what else has been going on it's just like day five million in lockdown and mm, yeah. that's you know same old but I am very lucky where we are because we have they've obviously um like parks and stuff have reopened and we've got lots mm. of people in our 5k so we can you know catch up with them 
So we're just going to pick up with my week. Yes. Tell me all about your week. I mean, really, I was like, there's really not much going on with me. So it's, it's totally fine. Um, my week has been um, all right. It's had some low points. I actually, um, I won't go into it too much but because I'll get upset, I think. Oh, no. Basically, we had this huge decision to make this year about what school to send Koji to, ah. which sounds so like you know, some kind of private school situation. Like, no, it's not like that. It's just, you know, we wanted to, you know, pick a night, the best school for him sort of mm. thing that would suit him and his needs. And there's these two really lovely schools in our area. And um, one is like the one that's out of town and really local to us. And the other one is this really nice one in town where I actually mm. teach singing. And I actually went oh. to that school. So oh. yeah. And so it was this, we were so torn for so long and we finally decided we had like multiple meetings at the schools, like really tried our hardest. To is that what the you best. have to do? I didn't look. Like you go to and, have meetings and stuff? Yeah. No, no. It's just that Koji has a bit of a hard time with some things. And right. so we had to like make sure it was to, the right. To, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like he has a bit of hard time like socially and yeah. he can be a bit tricky. And yeah. so we just want to make sure that like they which school was going to be able to mm. sort of nurture that. Ha- nurture that exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we finally decided this was like a month ago and yeah. we announced it to him and he was so excited as oh. well. And then last Friday we actually like enrolled him and they were like, "Oh, we're full." <gasps> yeah. What? Yeah. And so Does that I how did yeah. that happen? I don't... Well, the one we chose ended up being like the independent school, so it's not a public school, so they can fill up. But we didn't even realise that. Like we actually thought they struggled to get numbers. And and at no point did they say there was any urgency. In fact, all of our meetings, they were like, it's so good you're getting on this so early. So you like, were like, oh, we're ahead of it? Like, yeah. yeah. And when I looked at it all, like it was a month between correspondence, between their last email oh, to us, which had gosh. no urgency in it, by the way. It was just like... Yeah, like here's the information. And me being like, yes, we're doing this. It was a whole month. But still, it was only a month. And they're like, we're fully booked. And, oh, my God, I... I like wailed with That's tears. Insane. I, yeah, I was so upset about it. I was just at first, I was just really upset with myself that I'd let that happen. And yeah, because Koji doesn't handle change very well. Yeah, at right. The moment. And, you, and you'd already told him. And like, yeah, this so, big thing. Yeah, oh, exactly. It's less the actual school, like because both schools were really beautiful. Yeah. It's more the fact that I've got to tell him that he can't go there. Oh, so you haven't told and, him yet. No, oh, I haven't because there's also the chance that like someone could pull out or they might oh. split and do two classes and I'm not going to wait long for that, but I am going to give it a month it is like, for a change oh. to happen. But anyway, I was just so upset and Matt was really upset with himself and we were just, we were just really down on ourselves. And oh. then I like, I went for a walk and I was like, I have to pull myself out of this. Like I was really crying. Like I was so mad at myself. And then I was just like, because I've figured out that I'm someone who doesn't handle disappointment very well. Right. Um, like I have this total thought pattern that, that rolls out when disappointment occurs. Yeah. And so that thought pattern was rolling out and oh I was like, no. no, like I have to stop this. Get yourself out of that. I got to get myself out of it. So I went for this walk and by the time I got back, I was like, right, <laughs> you know, and I felt heaps better and I was like, you know, I need to treat myself with some empathy and I need yeah. to accept and look at the reality and just come up with a plan. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, that's what I did. And I'm feeling better about it. But every time I remember, I'm like, oh, damn it. Like, 
God. <laughs> Why didn't I know. I just, it's just like lingering in the background. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so, real can I ask you a random question? Because this yeah. is just a conversation Jesse and I were having last night. What mm. age do kids start school now? Because I started school when I was four, but I was young. And I'm like, what? What age do I need to enroll Flint? <laughs> um, that's a good question. It's the year that they got. I, I think there's a technical term, and I, I can't. I can't like a technical description of that, and yeah. I don't remember it exactly. Right. But I'm pretty certain it's the year that they turn six. The year that they turn six. Okay. But in saying that, I know somebody who sent their child in the year they turned five. Okay. And I also have a friend who kept her daughter back a year and she didn't start until she was six and turning seven. Oh, so wow. I think it's a guideline and I think that within the needs of the child, you can change that. Like we were thinking of keeping Koji back an extra year gotcha. just to catch him up a bit socially. Yeah. But um, but then we realised that he's just very ready for school in every other sense. Yeah. And, um, so and he's also him. all his peers at preschool are going and going, he's so excited yeah. to go. So. Yeah, okay. Like there was no way we were going to hold him back. But, yeah, so when's Flynn's birthday? It's at the start so of the year. the start of March. And that's why I was so – so I was kind of like, oh, so he'll either be, like, young like I was yeah. um, for turning five or he'd be nearly a whole year older. Does that yeah. make sense? So it's yeah. – because it, I'm Feb and he's, like, a week after me in March. So Totally. So you would be able to decide that's, that's on right. – like, that's a choice for sure. Mm. Oh yeah, God. I'm not. Not that I'm any like we're anywhere near that. He's not even three yet, but it's I just know, like you'll be able to get a sense of what he's like. Like me personally, if that was if Koji was born in March, yeah. he would have gone later. Okay, hundred percent. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. A hundred percent. He oh needs that extra time. So off like topic. Like he'll be five and a half. <laughs> I was yes. just thinking, someone said to me the other day, he's like, oh, when when are you going to send Flynn? And I was like, I don't know. He's two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you even talking to me yeah. about that? <laughs> anyway, glad we had that conversation. Sorry for everyone who tuned out. Uh, yes, sorry, Okay, uh, so yeah, you're so feeling that emotional. And, and emotional, just, yeah. yes. And then this morning, I, I told you this oh, already, but <laughs> Elma, she was standing, holding on to something, which is quite fresh, even that, yeah. that she's standing. And then she she just let go and was just standing there, not She's holding a big on. Girl. Oh my god, and that made me cry. <laughs> she must be close uh, to walking, right? I guess, but mm, she's nearly she's nine not months. Allowed. You'll have to she's just, not like, allowed. Just trip her over or something. She's a baby. <laughs> well, yeah, Koji will take care of that. He has taken to like he'll walk in the room and she's standing there holding on to something on her wobbly legs, and he'll come in and he'll just look at her and then he'll just push her. Oh my <laughs> god, push her over. That's just- no, okay, but also hilarious. I know. Oh, it's like, oh, man. God. But I've heard that kids do this once Once the baby starts to do things and becomes yes. more of a person, it's They're quite like, triggering oh, for them. Oh, hang on a yeah. minute. You're not, You're a, not a blob. useless blob anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your competition. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, yeah. Like- oh, and then the other thing that's happened, which I think can lead in a little bit to the yeah. actual episode, is um, the small – I recently just got – um, some blood tests done because mm. I just it's it's time for mm-hmm. me to just check in on things. Plus, I've had these sore joints, and it's like I just want to know what's going on. So, yep. I had like my thyroid tested, and I had just like a general, you know, my magnesium and all of that tested, and like inflammatory markers as well. And my doctor has just while we're talking, emailed through the results. So I haven't even properly looked at them, but I spoke to him this morning. He said everything's in the normal range, which 
whatever. As we know. <laughs> <laughs> but what he did say is that my TSH, mm. my thyroid hormone, um, is a bit suppressed and that I'll need to have it checked in three months' time. And I've been writing about Hashimoto's lately and I've just been like, oh, my God, I feel like I've got Hashimoto's. And when I met with him to get the test, I was like, can you please test all these things? I had this massive list of thyroid tests, like including the antibody tests and everything that can help you with Hashimoto's. And he wouldn't. He just flat out refused. He was like, no, I'm doing TSH, I'm doing T3 and T4 and that's all. And I was like, uh, but... That doesn't tell the full story, but he wasn't hearing it. He yeah. was cool, but he wasn't, wasn't hearing it. wasn't going to do it. Yeah. And so what anyway. a common issue. <laughs> yeah. So um, that could be on some kind of thyroid journey this year. Interesting. We'll see. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of women, I mean, I, I quite often see a link between PCOS and Hashimoto's. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. not uncommon to hear of women having both. And That's I right. think it'll be really interesting to follow your journey with this because there probably is going to be a lot of other people who listen to this and go, hang on, I also <laughs> yeah. have those symptoms. So maybe we could do a whole nother topic on that. Like maybe we'll wait, wait for you to get some more results or whatever, but that yeah. could be a really interesting app because, yeah, it's amazing how many people have thyroid issues as well that's it. and go, and actually, that's... again, undiagnosed. Absolutely. Yeah, Hashimoto's, most women, uh, I think it affects 7% or 7.5% of the population of women. Yeah. But is, yes, so largely Mm -hmm. underdiagnosed and is so at play with most underactive thyroid. Most underactive thyroid cases, actually, there's an underlying Hashimoto's diagnosis that isn't explored at all. So anyway, yeah, that's actually one of the things I wanted to bring up is just something that I wish women with PCOS knew about Mm. PCOS is how linked thyroid conditions are and to when you go in to get your checkup and get all your hormones tested and everything just to throw in some thyroid tests as well because it's a good thing to keep like a keep track of that keep track of and a lot of good practitioners who understand pieces will often say let's test like your thyroid stimulating hormone and or do a bit Mm -hmm. more in that but some won't and that's the issue but if you can Mm -hmm. sort of say like can we also test any thyroid stuff, like, mm-hmm. you know, again, be your own advocate. If you're aware, like you can't know these things until you're made aware of them. So that's why, again, awareness is so important. Education is so important. And mm-hmm. unless you physically ask for it sometimes, like you did, Mel, you won't mm-hmm. get it. And even in that case, you didn't, you haven't got the full panel. No, so, you know, like, again, you're going to probably have to go back and ask again or <laughs> well, find a new practitioner. Well, he's not doing it. Yeah. But I, I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate in that my functional medicine doctor she she's able to order any blood test it's just that I have to pay for it well that's, that's the, the downside and, that, and yeah. like and that was the same with me when I was like begging and pleading mm. to get more tests done being like something is not right with me what is going mm. on and I it was only and this was after speaking to five different doctors the mm. only time they actually were like oh, okay you can get it was when I said I will pay for them out of my own pocket which yeah. just is so sucky and stupid yeah. and especially when the results came back showing that I did have PCOS yes. uh, which is <laughs> really frustrating but like at the end of the day I was at that point where I was like okay if I have to pay for this this is worth every penny because I just need to have some answers here yeah and do you know what sucks is when I went and saw him last week I ended up getting to the point where I said I will pay for these tests Mm. and he still wouldn't do it and he said something that I found really funny but he was like you would be better off giving your money to charity (laughs) (gasps) which did make me laugh but I'm also like like that's a weird thing to say I know he just really he said if there was a one percent chance he was just like TSH 
tells us what we need to know. If it's funny, then we, I will be the first person to test all these other things on your list. You won't have to ask me. I'll do it. But if the TSH is fine, you're fine. And if Mm. there was a 1% chance that that wasn't true, I would have been taught it at medical school. (laughs) And then that led me into a tirade about the pill, which was entirely unrelated. But I was just like, well, actually, you don't necessarily know everything and get taught the right things at medical school. Just for example, this. Wait, did you say that to him? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> but like, I also said it with a lot of like jest yes. and yes. you know, well, actually, yeah, yeah. Like I was really kind and yeah. and we've been. He's been my doctor a long time and he knows what I'm like yeah. and he he can handle it. Okay. But um, yeah. Anyway. Oh my god, I feel like I'm being a bit triggered to be honest by this whole conversation. Sorry. But no, it's just it's just like so frustrating. Um, yeah, and even though you is. can sit there and go, actually, he's he's on a whole a really great doctor mm. there's still that like why won't you just listen to me like yeah like, absolutely I know, and- I know what's going on I know there's something not right here and I'm actually really and I think that they just like a lot of them just don't they just assume that we're not educated and that really mm. is frustrating for me yeah I completely agree with that and I because he's always he's always been so he has been quite accommodating to me over the years Mm -hmm. he's helped me from when I was pregnant with Koji he was the doctor that actually helped me Mm. so I've always had such I have really had affection for him yes and but after this I was like oh man I do think I have to get a new doctor Mm. and take my own advice yeah 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 (laughs) you know he's he's cool and I'm happy for him to be our family doctor but I think I need someone who's gonna listen a bit more yeah and that's the thing is like you know you can have different practitioners for different things and you can still really Mm -hmm. like someone and you know not necessarily go to them for everything you know that's that's the reality absolutely true As a big thank you for listening to our little podcast and for being a part of our very special PCOS Girls community, we've created a discount code that you guys can use for any of our products. Head to PCOSToWellness.com for Bridget's products or PCOSPathways.com for my products and enter in the code PCOSGirls15 for 15% off. That's PCOSGIRLS15. Love you guys. Anyway, let's get anyway, into let's this. Let's move on. All right. Perfect. What's something you would like to, that you wish people knew about PCOS? Well, one that I really had no idea about, and I feel like it, I'm sort of jumping the gun with this one a little bit, but it is about how women with PCOS might often have difficulty breastfeeding and producing sufficient milk supply for their baby after they give birth. So I know I've jumped mm-hmm. the gun of like the whole infertility thing and all of that, <laughs> but like, let's say you've fallen pregnant and now you've had a baby. And I guess because I'm in this space at the moment, um, and I'm starting to think about my breastfeeding journey with this baby. And it's something I had absolutely no idea about was that many women with PCOS will often struggle to have enough milk particularly in those first three months of breastfeeding. And the reason, I mean, there actually hasn't been a lot of research into why this is the case, but it's generally assumed that it's to do with hormonal imbalances, particularly um, testosterone. So, Mm. which means that your milk supply might be lower, your milk production might be lower, but there's still, again, there's not much research into it, which is really frustrating. So we can't even be like, this is the reason why, but it is just Mm. a very common issue. And what I find really frustrating about it is that actually after those first three months of breastfeeding, most if you can persist with it, 
generally speaking, the milk supply goes back to being what a normal woman without milk supply issues would be. However, mm-hmm. so many women give up during those first three months. Well, I shouldn't say give up, but, you know, they're at their wit's end and it's just become so hard. And I, I can 100% empathize because there is nothing, nothing more stressful in this world than thinking that you are not supplying enough food and nutrition for your child. Mm-hmm. And I can say that from someone who has been there and mm-hmm. you kind of go like, what, what, what's going on? Like, what do I got to do? And I did persist. And, mm-hmm. and that's actually where mamahood tea was, was born from this entire stressful situation um but like I just wish I had known that before I started my breastfeeding journey because I would have been more prepared and so I just want to bring the awareness to that and I think that if you're prepared it's actually not an issue because literally with herbs I was able to completely lift my supply to the point where I had so much milk I could just put my um silicon breast pump on and I, I had copious amounts of spare milk but I didn't for the first couple of weeks because I wasn't aware that this was going to be a potential Mm. issue for me and I guess that's something that we wish medical professionals knew too mm-hmm. about PCOS, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, because then they could be preparing us. Absolutely, even midwives and, and things and like that. And the midwives, yeah. yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Anyway, and I think that that's really important. It's a really, it's a good one to know. And I, and I think what I want to rain home is like, even now that you've heard this, don't freak out and think you're not going to be able to breastfeed because you 100% probably can. Um, it's just that you might need to do things to boost your milk supply. And there is so many things you can do. Like obviously herbs is a really big one, which is, you know, why I made the mamahood tea, but also mm-hmm. things like, you know, making sure you're hydrated enough, um, mm-hmm. making, you know, adding oats and things like that into your foods. Like there are, there are other things. There is also medications you can take, you know, so mm-hmm. don't go, oh, I'm not going to breastfeed because I've heard this is an issue. Um, just be aware that it can be an issue and then be prepared for it if it, if it does happen. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, uh, One that I wish that um, women with PCOS knew is that pain isn't generally associated Mm. with PCOS. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Lots of women with PCOS do experience pain, but it's not typically because of PCOS. So don't just be like, oh, that's just my PCOS and not look into it because there's lots of other conditions it could be. And it could just be... A, a, a hormonal imbalance. It could be that you have too much estrogen and you need to work on that mm. um, or not enough progesterone to balance out your estrogen. It could be that. Or there's actually so many other conditions that it could be as well, from endometriosis to pelvic inflammatory disease, adenomyosis, um, oh, I forget what it's called, cervical stensis or stenosis. I, f- I forget what that's called now. But th- there is honestly quite a list of things that can cause... Uh, period pain or just pelvic pain throughout your cycle. So if you have PCOS and pain, don't just explain it away. Even cysts, like, Mm. you know, everyone thinks like, oh, yeah, that's just my polycystic ovaries. Like, no, polycystic Mm. ovaries aren't generally painful, but you can have actual cysts on your ovaries that can cause pain. So Mm. I know that that sounds a little bit confusing, but I hope that makes sense. No, um, I think, and I think, uh, you know, this was actually going to be one of mine as well, is that, you know, having cysts on your ovaries doesn't necessarily mean you have PCOS, um, but mm. it can mean that. But, you know, you hear of people saying, oh, I've birthed, like they burst a cyst or that, you mm. know, they, and like that is ex- meant to be excruciatingly painful. I'm yeah. not sure. I haven't actually experienced one myself, but, you know, but then 
what we often hear is that they assume that it's PCOS related because it's mm. a cyst and because it's called polycystic ovarian syndrome, whereas it's a, it's a very confusing thing, but mm. it actually probably has nothing to do with PCOS most likely. Yeah. Yes. I, I haven't, as far as my understanding goes, the, the, like the follicles on your ovaries that cause us to call it polycystic ovaries, even though they're not cysts, they don't burst and cause pain exactly. like that. Like a burst cyst is different. Exactly. It's, it's a separate issue. And the cysts are, which again, this was not going to be one of my things, but for those of you who don't know, those cysts, as you said, Mel, they're not necessarily cysts. They are actually just underdeveloped eggs. So that's why they give you this cyst-like look. The, 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 they, that's what they look like and they do get classified as cysts, but basically that's all they are is eggs that haven't developed properly and they're just sort of sitting in there and they haven't fully developed. So, And I think that a lot of people don't realise that because they think that they've got sort of cysts growing on. The first time I heard it, I thought, is this a cancerous thing? Like what is this? Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, like a growth. A growth, but it's yeah. not really. They're just these no. follicles, these eggs that haven't fully developed. And they're, they're there because of a hormonal imbalance mm-hmm. and the way that everything talks, all these different hormones talk to each other and how they talk to each other a little bit differently with PCOS. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother yeah, topic, that's, isn't that's it? another topic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, your turn. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, getting back to the cyst thing, because despite its name, which is very confusing, not all women with PCOS actually have cysts on their ovaries and using ultrasound alone, therefore, is not an appropriate way to diagnose someone. So if you have been diagnosed with PCOS because you had an ultrasound, but maybe you're kind of thinking, actually, I don't have a lot of the symptoms that I, that I hear about, or I, I'm not 100% sure if I really do have PCOS, then go and maybe speak to another um, health provider because ultrasound alone is not enough to diagnose you with PCOS. What you do need to have is two out of the three Rotterdam criteria. This is the most commonly used method for diagnosing PCOS. And that is having um, polycystic ovaries is one of the criteria. Also having high androgens, whether that is seen on a blood test or whether that's actually seen in your like clinical symptoms. So a doctor can literally look at you and go, you've got hirsutism, you've got acne, you've got hair loss, like that's enough for me to know you have high androgens. Um, and then the third one is having irregular or absent menstrual cycles. So you have to have two out of the three. So you can't just have polycystic ovaries and be diagnosed with PCOS in most situations. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important for people to know. Yeah. And Again, like that's something we want the women with PCOS or polycystic ovaries to know, but it's something we really wish that the doctors knew as well. <laughs> totally. Like, come on, guys. Totally. I know. Anyway. Oh, like it just blows my mind that any doctor is diagnosing PCOS based on ultrasound alone yeah. these days. Yeah, I know. It is actually, it's really funny when I got um, an ultrasound for pregnancy related and they saw all my notes that I had PCOS. And she goes, I can't see any cysts on your ovaries. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's because I don't necessarily have to have cysts on my ovaries. (laughs) Anyway, not that that the ultrasound person should know that, but obviously that's what they're being taught. You know, they're being taught to look if there's PCOS on your past notes and they look for cysts and then that, you know, is how they would identify it or diagnose it so anyway it's tricky but again in saying that like when I was diagnosed I did not have an ultrasound so I was 
diagnosed purely based on my high androgen levels, which was present in blood tests um, and mm-hmm. also my symptoms, my clinical symptoms that were showing um, physically and then also having a absent menstrual cycle. Yeah. Yeah, mine was um, I had polycystic ovaries and a long cycle, like missing periods. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. All right. I'm like struggling to pick which one I want to go to next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a quick one. Um, I wish that just the general public knew that there is a condition called PCOS that can cause women to look like they're pregnant when they're not <laughs> and stop asking if we're pregnant. Like mm. I, I, I have been asked if I'm pregnant like multiple times in my life when really? I'm not pregnant. Yes. And it sucks. It really, really sucks. It's like it, it's so an rude. awful, awful feeling. Yeah. It's just rude. And like, I just, we should be past that as a mm. society by now. It's like, God, especially, well, it's only ever been women who've said it mm. to me. And it's like, haven't you like read the woman code yet? Like, yeah. have you been on the internet in your life? Like, mm. haven't you seen all the things that say never, ever say that to a woman? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's yeah. wild. I don't yeah, just and, and then <laughs> that people have said that to you. Yeah, I know. And like some, it happened, I think. I can think of one time, but I'm sure there was another time, like in my 20s, before I'd even had children. Mm. And then other times have been more like in postpartum phase where I don't, I don't really care. I don't, yeah. I don't care so much, you know. But yeah. when I was younger, that really affected me. Oh, it, happened yeah. when, it happened once at work and it was just the worst. Well, they, just, they just said to you, are you pregnant? <laughs> they said, oh, God, how did they say? Oh, she said, she said I love your bump. <gasps> and I said... Yeah, I said, what? And she, her face lost all colour and she tried to cover it up and she said, um, I love your jacket. She tried to cover it up, but I know that she didn't say jacket. I know she said bum. It was super awkward after that. She was just, she looked mortified. sick. She literally yeah. looked mortified. Well, so she should, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> I have no sympathy for her. <laughs> and it just sucks that that's even a thing. And, like, I would have been, like, I was probably weighed about, not that numbers matter really, but I was probably about 70 kilos when she said that to me. Like I was, you know, like that's, I'm not, I was not massively yeah. overweight so so in any way. Like she just. She just assumed. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that really matters or if that was a really inappropriate thing for me to say about my weight, but it was just like, it's not like I had this massive bump is my point. It's not like I looked nine months pregnant. Yeah. If I looked pregnant at all, it was slightly. And so how, how are people this brazen that they think they can point that out? Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite shocked because even like me being pregnant at the moment and I look very pregnant, like I really mm-hmm. do look pregnant. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because even like um, when I've dropped one off at daycare or whatever, uh, they I can tell the teachers – kind of think that I'm they they know that I'm pregnant but no one is acknowledging it good <laughs> on then, them I know and I'm like good on them and then apparently the other day one of the teachers goes oh Flynn keeps saying that he's going to be a big brother and we just wanted to check because we didn't want him to think that you know we didn't want him to say things if it wasn't true or whatever and I was like and I was wearing like 
skin tight leggings. Like I, it was so obvious that I was pregnant. And I was like, no, I am pregnant. Like we thought so. We just didn't want to say anything. <laughs> I actually love that so I much. I, I love that they just really weren't going really to say could, anything. Yeah. yeah they, they did that in such a considerate way. Oh, people should learn from them. I know. Anyway, but I can totally understand why that is mortifying and yeah. just inappropriate. So no, yes. never ask regardless. And also don't ask women when they're having children like in general just don't i know don't do that. It's yes not, not cool um anyway right. give us one okay <laughs> so it's estimated that one in ten women have pcos right but mm-hmm. the reality is it's probably much higher than that yes less than 50 percent of women are properly diagnosed so we can kind of assume that it's probably more like one in five, one in six, one in seven. Like we, it's mm-hmm. probably more along those lines than it is one in ten. Absolutely, which is and wild. We, like that's a lot it, of women. <laughs> it is, and we we know that in the UK it is one in five. Yeah, in the UK. Yeah, I, I was actually just thinking about this the other day, so it's cool that you brought that up. Like twenty percent, like one in five women with PCOS. Like it is really a epidemic is that the word yeah epidemic yeah it is absolutely an epidemic like that is affecting so So many many women women. across the globe it is it's crazy Mm. and we should say we probably shouldn't say women as well we should say what that's right what's the correct term menstruating people or Mm -hmm. women i don't even know anymore it's it's people people yeah people people. yeah Yeah. it's crazy like it is Mm. just crazy and basically what that means is that literally millions of people can go living with these symptoms unsupported for years and years and years and years and years and years. And And some may never know that this is what the condition is that they actually have. I just think that that is wild. Like it blows my mind that that is the legitimate statistic. And yet we still don't really know everything Mm. there is to know about it. Yeah, that's right. Like something that affects like up to one in five people, should really be taught in schools. <laughs> yeah. Like that's huge. That's massive. Um, Particularly like really, really massive. when it's the number one cause of female infertility. Yeah. Like, come on. Why yeah. are we not learning about this? Why Why are health practitioners not fully up to date with it and what, yeah. what the actual treatment options or management options are for this, yeah. you know? Like, Absolutely. it's insane. And I just wish more people knew that. And I also, mm-hmm. yeah, in many ways, I just want people to know that it is really underdiagnosed. So don't give up if you think that you still, you might have this. I also read a statistic this morning actually that um it takes an average of three to five practitioners before a person is diagnosed with pcos which is mm. not okay <laughs> no, not okay and my I experience remember... that was what happened it took five practitioners five GPs. yeah 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 i mean like just not okay mm. i remember putting up a post probably a year or two ago asking um people how long that took them to be get their diagnosis Mm. and I was like not surprised but very saddened by how many people were responding with numbers over 10 years I remember the longest I think was 26 years to get their diagnosis but there was so many 17 years 13 years 12 years it was just wild to be suffering for that long Mm. yeah it kills me yeah And actually, it kind of leads into one of the ones that I wanted to say, and that is that 
I, I something I really wish doctors knew was and and accepted yeah. was that there are so many natural medicines that help yes. PCOS and in fact more natural medicines than there are pharmaceuticals yes. and so like one know that yeah. you don't have to know what those are but know to refer your patient on yeah, to absolutely. a natural health practitioner yeah. and be okay with that like God I wish that our medical systems weren't so separate from each other and Mm. so like there's so much disdain in the medical community for people on the other side of the medical community whether it's natural or pharmaceutical and it's like you know what it's all just medicine yeah and actually everything on the planet is made from the planet so everything is natural in in a sense and so let's just all work together. Like, and yeah. I, I think it's actually really wrong that doctors aren't mentioning the natural approaches that can be taken because it is just, there's, it's at the end of the day, I don't want to say it's more effective, like the pharmaceutical, sorry, the pharmaceutical options out there work really well for, for some women. But for them, for the women that it's not working for, it's just unfair that they're possibly not, um, given the information that there are alternative ways. I totally, I like 100% agree with this. I think it's, it's really disappointing that our medical systems in all aspects of natural health, complementary medicines that, that are not linked up. I think it's, we're losing a massive opportunity here to actually help people be well because of it that's so true and you know that's a whole nother discussion that we could have but Mm. I really you know I think that that's a great thing to know and and as you said even if your doctor or whoever it is doesn't know necessarily which natural medicines might be the better ones for you what they can do is say look this is what I can give you let's say metformin Um, however you could also have a chat to this person who might be able to point you in the right direction for an alternative. And, you know, that alternative could end up being berberine, which is shown to be just as effective as metformin in many ways, which is a natural herbal supplement. Same with things, you know, like spearmint, you know, like that. It's just crazy how they're not readily, readily, um, they are readily available, but not readily spoken about and given as an option. And it is really disappointing that we miss that gap there because that's not to say that, pharmaceutical medicine isn't an option for some people or isn't going to be a great option for some people. It's just that perhaps there's a step in between and that step in between could be the difference between, you know, necessarily having to stay on medication long-term or to working out how to manage and balance your hormones in a natural, more holistic way, which is going to be much easier to do long-term and probably better for you. So I, I, that's, that's it. Like as far as I can tell, when it comes to pharmaceutical medicines, they, they can be super effective. Mm. But I don't know if any pharmaceutical that I've, I've read about for PCOS um, or a doctor's told me about that actually looks at addressing what's driving the PCOS and trying to actually um, make those symptoms not occur anymore. They're all too sort of band-aid the situation so you're not feeling the symptoms but you're not actually addressing the root of it all whereas when it comes to natural medicine there's actually heaps of options that can work on that root and also can work on being a band-aid 
Um, mm-hmm. So t- the thought that you could go to your doctor and have this condition and that it's not mentioned to you that there are ways to address the root mm. just feels very wrong. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all humans on this planet and we've been around here for millions of years and we're just gaining knowledge, gaining knowledge year on year on year on year and we're getting more and more intelligent in terms of the data that we're collecting about our life, about where we live in the universe and the idea that it isn't all coming together, that there's all this information about all these herbs and also all these pharmaceuticals and that it doesn't all come together in some way is really, it's just bizarre to me. Like, and I think that's where functional medicine is really the, for me personally, I see it as sort of just the future of medicine because it does, that's exactly what functional medicine does try to do. It tries to bring things together like that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but like, for example, I would so much rather have like in my case, a herbal tea every day, as opposed to Mm. taking a pharmaceutical medication, which I don't really know what it's in it or what it's doing or, you know, is potentially suppressing my hormones or, you know, mm-hmm. it's like when we talk about the pill as well as being an option, like it's not a treat. Actually, this is quite inter- like, again, a bit off topic, but I pulled up a company. It was like a, um, a, like a menstrual period company that does like tampons and stuff like that i'm not going to say which one it was um but they did like a little thing about pcos awareness and they said that one of the best treatments for pcos was going on the contraceptive pill and i actually dm'd them and i just said hey guys i just wanted to let you know like this isn't actually a great old a great treatment option for pcos it's a it's a band-aid solution here are Mm. some other ways that women can manage their PCOS symptoms. Because as we know, there is no cure for PCOS. It is yeah. a management thing. Um, yeah. And I've, I actually, like, I am denied about it for a while. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to have women out there thinking that this by a huge, mm. a huge company, they're the biggest yeah. one in Australia, I would say, is, wow. is putting out misinformation like this. It's not right. It's not fair. And that's, again, I guess an issue with social media in general is that anyone can say anything. Um, yeah. But two, that... Unfortunately, this is how people get their information now is through, yeah. you know, these types of channels. So just be aware of what you're you're seeing out there too. And good on you for contacting them. That's so awesome. And that's what I think PCOS Awareness Month is really about as well. It's yeah. just it is sometimes uncomfortable to educate someone. Mm. It sometimes is really draining too. Mm. And, it, you know, the pressure should never really totally be on you to do it. But when you've got it in you, I think that's really great. Yeah. Um, and like good that. on like them, 100%. you know, they would, they thought they were doing the right thing by raising awareness. And I said that I'm yeah. like, I'm thank you so much for bringing this to yeah. people's attention because you have a huge platform, but this, this and this. And they actually wrote back to me saying, thank you so much for bringing it to our attention. We're going to take this off. And they, they took it off. And I was like, yay, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah. you know, they did want to do the right thing, which is yeah. really cool. That's so cool. This episode is brought to you by Sisterhood Tea. Hi guys, it's Bridget Warren, the founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood Tea. Sisterhood Tea is a powerful blend of herbs that has been specifically created by me to help other women like me who may be experiencing the many frustrating symptoms of PCOS and other hormonal imbalances, which affect so many women. Every ingredient in Sisterhood is 100% natural and has a purpose. And most importantly, the ratio of each herb has been carefully weighed out to ensure the perfect amount is added into each bag, 
to make it an easy and accessible way for you to manage your symptoms every day. And don't worry, I promise it tastes nice too. Sisterhood tea is a powerful holistic alternative and is suitable for all women, but has been specifically designed to help support women who may be experiencing symptoms of PCOS and other hormonal imbalances, women who've been on the contraceptive pill or are coming off the contraceptive pill, problematic skin conditions such as acne and dermatitis, fertility issues, weight management, hair loss and hirsutism, moodiness, bloating and menstrual cramps, and of course, regulating the menstrual cycle. Sisterhood tea is 100% natural, organically grown where possible, vegan, and hand-blended and packaged in Australia. The results and hundreds of testimonials for Sisterhood tea are honestly just incredible. And some of the most inspiring stories include clearing up stubborn acne, growing back hair loss, regulating their period, and even successful pregnancies after years of trying everything else. We call them our little sisterhood babies. So if you want to find out more about Sisterhood Tea or read some more of the amazing testimonials, head over to PCOSToWellness.com where I ship worldwide. And that's something else actually that I just wish doctors knew is just not to um, go straight to the pill Mm. for treating PCOS. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we need to go into that because we've talked about it so much in the past, but it's just so prevalent it's just wild like I even talked to my doctor about it the other day and he just fully believed it he just fully thought it was the best option it regulates periods he told me (laughs) and I fully like I just fully went into it because I was in a bit of a state about it anyway and he didn't know it yeah he didn't know it at all and I'm gonna email him I'm gonna email him some resources I don't even care. I'm just going to be like, just if you're interested. That's just what I said to him. I was, like, yeah. I was like, if you're interested in understanding this, don't take my word for it. Yeah, like read if you have it in you and studies. you've got the time, read about it tonight. And I don't know if he did, but I'm going to send it to him. Well, and that's the thing is that like it is going to take people to say things before people, you know, bother. Because why would they? Why, why else? Yeah. You know, if someone doesn't say anything to them, one, they won't know. And two, there's no reason to be doing more research into it. So that's right. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> Okay, we're really, we're a little bit, oh, ranty today, aren't we? We are a bit ranty. I think we're in a ranty mood anyway. That's yeah. fine. That's just the way we are today. <laughs> yeah, we are who we are. <laughs> um, um, I don't know whose turn it is. Uh, I think it's mine. I mean, I, I wanted Do to it. say as one of my last points as well, Mel, was that, you know, mm. basically PCOS symptoms can be in many cases like reversed in terms of like acne and hair loss and and you know infertility and all that kind of thing and then can be managed you know so please don't give up and think that this is the end like you you know you're never going to get back to where you were in pretty much 99.9% of cases you can get back to where you were and Mm -hmm. that can be done generally with a natural approach whether that is what we talked about herbs um Mm -hmm. or lifestyle changes mm-hmm. or diet changes or stress management changes like there is so much you can do and I just think don't lose hope because I feel like it's being diagnosed with PCOS and I, I like I guess I'm just referring to my own situation walking out of that doctor's appointment 
and having to call Jesse after being told that we're not going to be able to fall pregnant naturally and that that was sort of the end of the line and I there was it was no cure and if I wanted to reverse my symptoms I would need to go on back on the pill like that was just a complete lie mm. and it really frustrates mm. me and upsets me that that's what I was told um, yeah. and thank goodness I didn't accept that but yeah. but if that, this is you right now mm. Just know that there is so much hope and you're going to be fine. And it it takes time 100%. It really does. It doesn't happen overnight. But you will be fine and you will get through it and you will see an improvement if you you stick to it and you're consistent and you put in the hard work. Absolutely. So, so true. And I know that when I started this whole PCOS thing for me personally, it was uh, like in terms of having my business and writing the journal and all of that, it was so about just letting women know like there are so many options for you like mm-hmm. it's okay mm-hmm. if you think you've tried everything like you haven't yeah. there's you there's haven't. so many that's options it. that's like you yeah. you literally haven't like yeah you, you just can't have you know even myself who I felt like there was a one point where I was like there's nothing else I can do there was yeah. there was still yeah. things I could do you know <laughs> so um and and that's the and like you know just staying informed uh, doing your own research, you know, I, as much as I hate to say like jump on Instagram because there's a lot of misinformation on there, there's also a lot of really interesting information out there. Mm. And I think that that's where a lot of people are starting to share their journeys in, in a lot of ways on there. So even if yeah. what works for them might not work for you, it's just good to know about. Um, mm. What, like, I mean, it's just read books. There's some great books out there now, really great mm-hmm. books. And just understanding why what it is I think is is just mm. the best place to start because I didn't know what PCOS was you know I mm. really didn't and I think that if mm. you actually have an understanding of what it is and why it happens that gives you a really good base to then go oh, okay well that makes sense why something like this would work you know if yes. you've got high testosterone levels this is why it would make sense that something like as simple as spearmint tea could help you know like things like that and if you can understand the gist of it a bit more you can really put yourself ahead of the game and and Mm -hmm. um understand your body and also long term you're going to be so much better off just understanding your body and your menstrual cycle in general yeah absolutely i think that there's understanding pcos and then there's understanding you i think understanding your own body is so key on this journey Mm. um it's it's the difference between going on instagram and seeing that information um coming in from all these different you know really great sources Mm. or someone's personal journey and then seeing oh you know for example maybe they've tried um, berberine and it's really worked for them I'm going to go out and buy berberine it's the difference between doing that and maybe not seeing a result because berberine wasn't right for you and having your blood tests Mm. knowing what's imbalanced in your body understanding what berberine actually does and so getting that great information and and then being able to work out well would that work for me because she's taking that because she has insulin resistance exactly and I don't actually have that. So actually, I'm going to leave that. Yeah, that's I'm not, not going to get berberine. Or yeah. maybe. Just for example, berberine actually does a whole bunch of different things, yeah. guys. I don't but know why I keep talking about example. berberine. That was just like one that's <laughs> gone into our head, obviously. But, um, but, you know, but also just knowing like, oh, okay, that person had really great results with acupuncture. Maybe I should go speak to someone about that like, and yes. see if that's – I'm certainly not saying like go, go like self-diagnose yourself and no. then take all these – 
things that you have no idea what they do. That's definitely not what I would recommend. No. Um, but it's great to get awareness from. But, you know, stick to peer-reviewed academic journals if you're looking online or if, if you're looking at people's, like, blog posts, for example, that's different because that's their journey and that's really great mm-hmm. to get some ideas. But when it comes to, like, diagnosing yourself or anything like that, like, definitely get a practitioner to do that that stuff for you. Absolutely. At the end of the day, this is all – even what we're telling you guys now, like, this is all just information for you to then take to your health practitioner yeah. and work out what works yeah. for you. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for yeah. sure. All right, I feel like we've done enough ranting. I, I really, I think you're right. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please join our group. I don't know if I mentioned this last week because I did learn this last week, but we've hit a thousand people in our group. I think I you have, definitely actually. did. I did. I should just. We'll just cut that. Oh. No, we're just like over proud. Um, yeah, we're pretty proud about it. <laughs> so please join us over there, the PCOS Girls Podcast Community. Um, we're on Instagram at the. PCOS girls, please keep leaving your beautiful reviews. They make our day. Thanks, guys. Um, press that subscribe button and have a lovely week. Does it even say subscribe on podcasts? Like, I don't think I've even looked at what. Does it say subscribe? Oh, I hope so because <laughs> I've been saying it. I feel like it doesn't. I'm literally going to look at my podcast. App oh right my now god! Because I don't think I've ever seen subscribe. Okay, I'm on Spotify right now. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go to our podcast. <laughs> And I'm just going to see. It literally, like, where does it follow? It says follow. Okay. Follow, guys. Maybe that's because I'm on Spotify. Maybe okay, Apple yeah. Podcasts said subscribe. I don't have an iPhone, so I can't check that. But. <sighs> anyway, whatever. Just do something. <laughs> just do anything. We'll honestly, yeah. like, you could, you could just write a, like, cute little review and that will make our day. We're very simple yes. like that. We're simple needed people. <laughs> Oh, have a good week, everyone. Bye, Bye. guys.